Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Hey everybody, welcome to Paradox. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Josh. And it is a beautiful day in Austin, Texas. And we are talking today with one of my, and I'm sure one of yours, favorite authors, Gary Thomas. What you, you, you know who he is and you know a bunch of his books. Uh, what you may not know is that he is writer in residence and on the teaching team at Second Baptist in Houston. Again, did not take you for a Houston guy. <laughs> well, I grew up a Seattle guy, so uh, I've, I've been happily adopted into Houston. Well, at least you sort of get the, the, the cool, rainy weather in Houston like in Seattle, so that's good. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm an avid runner, and what I found, people say, how do you handle the rain? Because it can rain a ton there. And I had three different coats for three different types of rain. I figured out through a lifetime how to dress for rain. I have yet to figure out, almost seven years in Houston, how to dress for humidity. That, that you can't dress for. Yes. And when people tell you, well, you know, it's a, it's a dry heat, there really is a difference between 100 degrees in Houston and 100 degrees in Phoenix. It's a huge difference. One makes you lose about 10 gallons of water weight. Absolutely. Um, he is the author of 18 books, my favorite of which, because I haven't read his latest yet. His favorite for me is Sacred Marriage, and many of you guys have read this. Many of you guys have studied this. Gary, I've never mentioned the need for you to possibly give me a kickback for how many times I've <laughs> taught your book in differing churches. And we can talk about that off air. Exactly. And, and I do take checks or credit cards. And I'm telling you, the, the, it's the, the subtitle of Sacred Marriage is what hooked me from the get-go. And when I said, oh, this is different, this is a different book on marriage. When you say, what if God designed marriage to make us holy instead of happy? Explain that if you would. Well, here's the thing, and here's what a brilliant marketer I am. That wasn't my original subtitle. My original <laughs> subtitle, as boring as it gets, was... Celebrating marriage as a spiritual discipline. Some, <laughs> oh no, that some very you. wise marketer said that sounds awful. They pulled that quote from the middle of the book. It's actually, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us Okay, more happy. than to make us happy. And, and I can't tell you how many people like you have said that's what seized them and made them pick up the book. So whoever made that decision at Zonovan, I owe God uh, half bless my you. children's college education for uh, because it certainly took hold, but but it really was. I, I felt like when the book came out in it came out in the year two thousand was the first edition, and that in some ways the evangelical church wasn't being as honest about marriage as we could. I, I think with the desire to sell books and some good motives, wanting to lift up Jesus, it was almost like apply these five principles and do these three things, and and marriage will be easy. And I just found that marriage isn't even the best of marriages are difficult, worthwhile, rewarding. If I had a hundred lives, I'd want to be married in every one of them. And that's speaking as a guy who's been married for over 30 years to the same woman. But 
it's not an easy relationship. But once I found a reason for the difficulty that God could use marriage to help me more, become more like Christ, then the difficulty was sort of put into a context. And I, I put it like this. We all kind of know this reality in, in when it comes to exercise. Otherwise, we're like the people who drive to the gym and do circles around the parking lot looking for a close place to park before we go in and exercise. That's so and, bad. And we That's see, me. Yeah. And, and you think, well, they've sort of lost the picture. But actually, then we go into the gym and we're spending – you know, I don't know, 50, 60, $70 a month to go on machines to, to make us hurt, to make us sore, to make us sweat that causes pain. And the reason is I can be a different person. I can be fitter. I can be faster. I can be stronger. I can be healthier. Well, if we have that same attitude of marriage, that we can go into marriage and we can become more patient and gentler and kinder and less selfish and and more humble, all of those things together, now we have the context. So instead of resenting marriage, which I think there were aspects of marriage I resented early on in my relationship, then I could appreciate it. I, I, I can't promise I'll ever enjoy it, but when I see the purpose, I'm willing to endure the process. And it just gave me a whole new view of marriage, looking at it through that lens. Well, yes. And, and instead of couples just running as fast as they can away from all conflict, to see conflict as purposeful. It's, again, back to the athletics, the, the, the idea of no pain, no gain. And uh, I would stress, because it, it's been, you know, blog posts love to argue this point. Of course, I'm always on the part that as if marriage isn't for happiness or whatnot. When I reworked Sacred Marriage just a couple years ago, uh, the same title and everything, and I don't wouldn't urge somebody to get the new book just for the updates because it was more of an update than a rewriting. But um, I, I include a quote from John Wesley that just really has formed my thinking where he said, nobody is truly happy who isn't pursuing holy. Mm-hmm. And, and when you think about it, that's just so true. I've, I've never met a full-blown addict who's actually happy. They have moments of pleasure, but there's more misery. I've never met somebody whose anger isn't under control, who's really happy because they're pushing everybody away, or if they're very critical, or if they're materialistic, they, they never have enough. And so it's not as if we're putting happiness against holiness. It's just that by pursuing holiness, happiness becomes the byproduct. And that's what I hope will happen as well within marriage. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it is, it's one of those books that, you know, that I consider a game changer that I tell people, you know, and I've been teaching that book for years and years. This is one of those that has to be on your shelf because you're going to go back to it because it's not just about communication and conflict resolution and, you know, everything that you think of when you think of how to make your marriage better. It's, there's a much bigger, deeper picture. Now, your latest book is entitled Cherish the one word that changes everything for your marriage. Now, we all say that we promise to love and cherish from this day forward. How are we missing the boat on the word cherish? Well, I can say to how I was missing the boat, even as a guy who's written on marriage and been speaking on marriage for two decades and who's been married for three decades, I was just convicted some years back when God challenged me with that promise I'd made on the day I got married. I promised to love and to cherish until death do us part. In Sacred Marriage, I focus on love. In a following book, A Lifelong Love, I focused on love. In my seminars, that would be the last session. But when God reminded me of a promise I made, not just to love, but to cherish my wife, that raised the bar. 
It's about adopting a certain attitude, having a certain um, action, the, the way that I look at her, the way that I adore her. Love is sort of the, the baseline. It's commitment. It's sacrifice. It's servants, service, perseverance, hanging in there. But cherish is about delighting in our spouse, celebrating in our spouse, enjoying our spouse. So that my spouse knows I'm not with her because Jesus says I'm not allowed to leave her. But my spouse knows I'm with her because I cherish her above all others. I value her. I honor her. I learn to showcase her. And so after I was convicted of this, this is what I promised to do, and I believe it's what God wants me to do, began to put it into practice. And, and here's the thing that shocked me. I didn't anticipate this, was how much happier it made me. Now, it makes so much logical sense that if you learn to cherish the person you're married to, you're going to be a lot happier because there's just much more joy in life when you cherish the person you're with every day. I didn't do it for that reason, but that was the end result. But before I could do the book, I had to figure out what does it mean to cherish, and is cherishing something that could be learned? And I became convinced that it can be, that there's a mindset, there are attitudes, and there are practices that we can put into place that can develop over time a cherishing heart and a cherishing mind. You're right. It's 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 almost like we throw in our spouses to another thing on the to-do list. You know, I got work and I got to hang out with my kids and our wife, uh, you know, she wants alone time. So we got to sit down and talk and then I can kind of have that alone time. And it's, you know, it is this mindset that has to be switched. It well, oh. it's, it's, it's what we promise to do is a thing. I mean, I don't want people to listen to this and say, you know what? That sounds really great. If you want to be a fantastic husband, if you want to be a super wife, yeah, I think cherish is a fair word. But we did promise this, and and that's where God really convicted me. Sure. And I think it's where marriage takes off, because if we don't actively cherish, I see too many marriages that slip into contempt. And I think it's the same thing with the relationship with God. If we're not actively worshiping God, our hearts are growing slowly cold toward God. And I've seen people even completely turn off and begin to have contempt for God. And I see the same thing in our marriage. I don't believe there's a status quo. We think that we can just hold our marriage where it is, and it's not going to get any worse. I've found when couples aren't pursuing cherishing, they're slipping back into contempt. And so it's not a choice of let's keep it where it is. It's are we going to go forward? Are we going to go backwards? Because it's usually, at least in my experience, working with a lot of couples, it's usually one or the other. And speaking of contempt, you have a, a quote that says, contempt comes out of expectations, respect out of expressions of gratitude, and we can choose what to obsess over, either expectations and or thanksgiving. Can you expound on that for a bit? Yeah, well, the Bible tells us in James 3, 2, that marriage is going to be really hard because it says we all stumble in many ways. So the word all means there is no one you can marry who doesn't stumble, not just occasionally, but according to the Bible, in many ways. Nobody gets to marry the fourth member of the Trinity. That person doesn't exist. We all marry somebody who stumbles in many ways. So the challenge is really, if we want to cherish someone, is what are we going to focus on? 
we all know Philippians 4, 8, that we're to focus on whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, because every day gives us fodder to focus on where our spouse stumbles, where our spouse disappoints us, where our spouse lets us down, where they don't step up. Maybe they're not even doing actively negative things, but they're not actively doing the positive things that we might expect when we're ruled by our expectations. And so one of the practices I talk about in Cherish that transformed my marriage, and this was recent, this was just in 2016, for my wife's Christmas present this last December. I spent 2016 every day, I got a book from a stationery store that had a blank page for every day. And every day I wrote down something that she did that day that I could thank her for, or something on that day I wanted to celebrate her for. And so the first few months, you're just kind of whipping through that. By the time you get into September, October, when you've already written down a couple hundred things, or actually even 300 things, and you can't just keep writing the same things, I'm literally having to sit before the Lord. Okay, Lord, remind me, what did Lisa do yesterday? What, what do I need to affirm in her? And it just radically changed my heart and mind. When you literally begin each day, I'd open up that book before I did my devotions, before I started any work. All right, God, remind me of the excellence of my wife. What did she do? What can I praise her for? And then throughout the day, I'm looking for things because I know I have to write down something for the next day. And so if there's something that isn't the best, if she's not at her best, well, I'm, I'm letting that go because it's not relevant. I'm not going to record that, obviously. I'm, I'm literally scouring her, looking for the things that I can praise so I have something new to write down. I was doing this secretive. She didn't know I was writing this throughout the year, so it was kind of a fun exercise. And I remember in the summer just being terrified because I travel a lot, and I thought, what if I lose this thing? I mean, I was halfway through. I thought, it's irreplaceable. I couldn't possibly remember all this. But then I realized even if I had lost it, I didn't, thank God, but even if I had, it was already a gift to my wife because just that spiritual exercise changed the way I thought about my wife, treated my wife, spoke to and about my wife just by putting that spiritual principle into action. And that's so important. But moving forward, if you could discontinue the personal examples, you're kind of making us look bad. Please. I've done it one year out of 32, so you, you know, it's, it'd be easy for someone to take that out. <laughs> so what is so weird is I was planning to start that very thing today yeah. before you mentioned huh, it. So. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah the 1st of April. Huh. Uh, Gary, you have other quotes that I want to ask you about. You said that couples don't fall out of love so much as they fall out of repentance. Look, infatuation, neurologically is a chemical reaction. I know this won't sound very romantic, but let's just be honest with the way our brains work. It has a shelf life of about 12 to 18 months. Uh, they've been able to scope it out, and even at under a scope, an infatuation at 13 months looks demonstrably different than an infatuation at six months. We live in a culture that is infatuated with infatuation, but science tells us it can't be sustained even long enough to potty train your first child. And, and so we've got to look at reality, what helps a marriage survive. And when somebody comes into my office as a pastor, it's almost always an issue of character or obedience. And so I tell young couples, don't freak out about falling out of love. In one sense, it's inevitable. Not that you won't like each other. You'll still be drawn to each other. And there's moments when those feelings come back very strongly. But it ceases to be the daily glue. 
but couples don't fall out of love so much as they fall out of repentance. It's the little sins that tear apart affection, the things that frustrate each other, the, the bitternesses, the unkindnesses, the acts of disobedience that most frustrates couples, and that's what drives them into marital counseling. So if we would focus on Matthew 6.33, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what we're doing is we're dying to the very things that make wives and husbands miserable. We're dying to unkindness. We're dying to lust. We're dying to selfishness. We're dying to pride. And then we're holding on to, because seeking first the righteousness of Christ isn't just avoiding the bad, it's building the good. We're seeking the virtues of Christ, gentleness, patience, kindness, humility. Those things serve a relationship. So if you have two people that are seeking to grow in righteousness, they're becoming the kind of people that can actually enjoy a lifelong relationship and, in fact, cherish each other even more as the years go on. And so I tell couples, trying to maintain feelings, just listen to pop songs, trying to get the feeling again, you can't make it happen. You fall into love, you don't know why you did, you fall out of love, you don't know how to get it back. But if you'll focus on growing in righteousness, it's a far more stable foundation upon which to build a solid relationship. And then just real lastly, or lastly, uh, real quickly, rather. Real lastly, okay. (laughs) You mentioned a, uh, a good marriage is not something that you find. It is something that you make. I hadn't, we haven't mentioned the book yet that came out. The second book was called The Lifelong Love. And the main image in that book is that I find too many couples look at building a marriage like they're planting a tree. You put a sapling in the ground and you stake it and you fertilize it and you water. If there are deer around, you might even put a fence around it because you know it's vulnerable. And then after a while that tree grows and you don't have to worry about staking it. It's strong enough on its own. The roots are there. It gets its own water and food. It's not so vulnerable to deer or whatnot. It can, it can withstand the assaults. And that's how we treat relationships. I have couples that'll come in for premarital counseling and they talk, they resolve issues, they get to know each other, they make sure they have date nights. They do everything that it takes to make a relationship grow. But then they get married and have kids and get a job get a mortgage, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, that tree is just going to grow on its own. And I think that's a false image because it doesn't. It stops growing. I think building a marriage is more like building a brick house that you put together brick by brick. And if you stop at any point along the way, even if you're 80% of the way done, the house doesn't finish itself. In fact, it gets worse. The elements come in, it begins to decay, and it starts to collapse. And so I pretty much tell couples that marriage is what you get out of it often what you put into it. Now, saying that, I'm not suggesting you can unilaterally save a marriage. It takes two people building on it to get that level of intimacy. But the reality is if both of you stop building a marriage for any purpose, because you're building a business first, because you're raising your kids first, because you're pursuing your hobbies first, eventually your marriage is going to get squeezed out. It's going to be less satisfying. It's going to feel less intimate, and it's going to feel a lot more distant. And I I really think since most of us intend to be married our entire lives, it's like this. If you're driving a car, you know you're going to have that car your whole life. You're going to change the oil. You're going to make sure you keep it tuned up. You're going to take care of it because you know it's just going to run a whole lot better if you maintain it. It's the same thing with our marriages. It brings us so much more happiness and joy and fulfillment if we'll take the effort and build our marriages rather than expecting them just to complete themselves just because they got a good start.
Guys, incredible words. Gary, thank you so much for being on. We enjoyed it immensely. And seriously, all I did was Google Gary Thomas quotes and like pages of this stuff came up. So if you want your day brightened, your perspective on marriage changed, do that. Uh, But probably better yet, uh, go to GaryThomas.com and check out his resources. He's got free, you have a free ebook up right now, as well as uh, just a whole list. You said 18, Jimbo? Mm -hmm. 18 books that you can peruse as well as purchase. So GaryThomas.com. If you want to follow him on Facebook, it is author uh, Gary Thomas, and then Twitter is Gary L. Thomas. Gary, thank you so much. Thank you. And we don't extend this. You have to, like, make our ring of honor, (laughs) which you've done. uh, Surprisingly. And uh, (laughs) when you're in Austin, we take you all expenses paid (laughs) to enchiladas y mas. Okay. (laughs) And... It's it's a transcendent experience. So when you're here, you just, call us, we make it happen. Just let us know. We'd love to do it. Sounds fantastic. Gary, thank you so much. Gary, take care. Thank you. You only pick that place because you can get out around 10 bucks. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and go, oh. Go ahead and say it. Oh, now I'm thinking about it. Oh, you're thinking Mexican? The look in your eye, you were going to say he's now my favorite person. Well, no, I was thinking of enchiladas he was. He's my favorite person. <laughs> Isn't he great? Well, he's fantastic. We knew he'd be fantastic, yeah. though. I'm telling you, if you haven't read Sacred Marriage, and I'm thinking, you know, Cherish kind of has what's written on it, you know, that it's going to be one of those as well. But it's, 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 you look at, it's like your marriage and you're thinking about marriage, and then you read that book and it, your brain just takes a different trajectory after that. Really, really powerful stuff. I always have kids in my office that, whether it's looking at culture or their parents' marriage, and they just aren't interested in lifelong love. They think it's easier to kind of float in and out of relationships and, you know, live with their, you know, significant other when I'm an adult. And some of them, you know, use my marriage as an example, and they're like, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen, right? I mean, you're a married guy. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I guarantee you I'm not getting divorced. And they're like, no, no, you, you never know. In this day and age, you yeah. never. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I 100% know because of that last thing he was talking about. We work our rear end off every mm-hmm. single day to guarantee we're not going to get divorced. Every day? Absolutely. Every day. I have a uh, Love Katie uh, alarm that pops up on my phone every day at 5 p.m. as I'm heading home and I make that a priority. One month ago, Thursday. What'd you do? Yeah, exactly. I didn't write it down like Gary. <laughs> I'm falling down. <laughs> Man, that was horrible. And again, I didn't want to up, but I mean, I, I've done that for like the last 15 years. <laughs> and I know that it was his big object lesson uh-huh, and he uh-huh. made a big deal out of it. But yeah, uh, boy, he, man. He's impressive. I got to get on the but stick. marriage you have to work at. Yeah. It just, a good it marriage is not happen. something you're going to find. And what is it? Um, you can't be truly happy if you're not pursuing holy. Yeah. Holy cow. Very, very good stuff. And if it was a holy cow, you would be pursuing. He's also a happy cow. Yes. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That would then be made into fajitas. (laughs) This is going off the rails. Uh, GaryThomas.com. Also follow him on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, If you want more information or links from this show, go to ParadoxPodcast.com and click on the Episodes tab and then find the show notes. 
you want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, that information, not only about the show, but us individually, that information is there on paradoxpodcast.com as well. Guys, we enjoyed it. Take care. Peace out. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescarr.com. If you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. I can remember to this day. I snuck in to the drive-in movie in Ranger, and I saw a 40-foot-tall bosom. Do you remember the movie? I think, uh, no. Blazing bosoms, I don't know what it was.